everybody, Andrea Renee here for What's Good Games at the Anthem preview event with Mike Gamble, the lead producer, of course, on Anthem. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Hi, everyone. So we have gotten to have some intense hands-on time here today, and there's still more to come. But so far, we've gotten a look at the beginning of the game. We've got to meet some cool characters. We've got to check out a couple of different javelins. Mm -hmm. yep. So I reached out to our community and said, hey, guys, we know you have a lot of questions about Anthem. We've talked about Anthem quite a bit on What's Good Games. And it's certainly my most anticipated game of the year, which, you awesome. know, we got to work together awesome. at EA Play last year, yep. which was yep. really fun. Um so before we jump into any questions, can you tell me a little bit about some of the content that we got to play here today? Sure. Okay, so um, you've played two of the things that we wanted you to play, and you'll play a third one very soon. So the first part of it was kind of the intro of the game. Uh, for the first, let's say, five hours of it, you were able to see, meet many new characters, unlock a couple javelins at least, uh, play optional side missions with some of your agents and see a little bit of the crit path. So that was the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing was you're able to jump ahead and do the demo content. So the demo's coming out uh, January 25th for the VIPs and then February 1st for everyone else. Um, and so that demo content was kind of halfway through the game, level 10. And uh, you had a couple exos or javelins unlocked and then you run some missions there. And then the final thing that you get to play in a little bit is the end game. So we're going to get you to level 30, uh, give you access to all the javelins, and then have you do legendary contracts and strongholds. So that's everything. So we know there are four javelins. Which one's your favorite? My favorite is the storm. The storm is the best. I mean, that's the one that I was most excited about playing today because uh -huh. I had the opportunity to try out the Colossus and the Ranger at a Big previous boy. event. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I had been talking to another member of the team, John Warner, about the storm and was just like, I just want all the magic fingers. Yeah, magic fingers, magic arms. Storm is is like the death from above type javelin. So that's, yeah, my favorite for sure. One of the things we talked about back at E3 was how similar I thought the combo system looked with a lot of these elemental attacks to the combo system that we saw from the Mass Effect franchise. Right. Is it going to work similarly? Yeah, it's it's definitely inspired heavily from that. Um, you have your primers, you have your detonators, um, you have your buffs and debuffs, and every javelin kind of has different versions of that. It'll take communication, uh, but at the same time, you'll see little icons on the screen to say when someone is primed um, and ready to kind of be destroyed. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much taken in that spirit of what you see from Mass Effect. Uh, just we hope that um, you see it a lot more in this game because there's numerous people instead of just you, right? Is it easy to tell when you have people that are in different javelins on your squad, like when uh, somebody has primed something for detonation? Yeah, so there will be a, an icon change on the little combat reticule right 
for that creature. So you you'll know exactly when something is ready for ready for detonation. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I'm primed to be detonated. Like, like that. I mean, there's nothing more satisfying <laughs> than the word combo like exploding all over the screen. Totally. It just is yep. it's just a certain level of satisfaction that yes. comes along with yes. uh, combo satisfaction. <laughs> Hashtag combo satisfaction. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so we talked a little bit about the storm and there's another new javelin that we got to get some hands on time with today, the interceptor. Yep. And when I first switched over to the interceptor, Agent Tassin, one of the characters in the game at Fort Tarsus came on and was like, listen, this javelin is not for the faint of heart. You, you know, we don't want to just throw you in there. Kind of like it's a more experienced or advanced level javelin. And why is that? So the Interceptor is kind of, um, kind of a glass cannon in the sense that very, very strong, very melee focused, very quick. But you'll go down pretty easily if you get, if you get attacked by everyone. Um, so it'll take, takes a lot of finesse, takes a lot of gameplay, um, dexterity for you to, to, to change targets quickly on the fly. Um, and as I said, very, very melee-based. But huge damage, massive. And having a good interceptor at the front, while let's say the Colossus takes aggro from one of the larger, more dangerous creatures, having the interceptor, interceptor just continue to, to destroy is extremely satisfying. So it takes skill, but it's worth it, I think. Now, normally, I'm not a shotgun player. Not my not my style, mm-hmm. but I equipped a shotgun when I was playing Interceptor, and it was very fun. Yeah, definitely. That's the weapon of choice for the Interceptor, for sure. I also noticed that the movement style for the Interceptor felt very acrobatic-influenced. Is there a specific um, style of movement that you guys were going for? Was that it? Yeah, definitely. It's the, um, the quick, agile, moving around the battlefield very quick. Uh, I just jump. think about like while you're flying, you do all these weird flips and oh, things, which yeah, is a really of, cool. Back arching and flips and things like that, definitely. I mean, the flying style of each of the javelins, although are actually they're going the same speed, we want to make you feel like they're they're very different in the animation sets and how they actually perform in the world. So yeah, you'll see a lot of that stuff depending on the the javelin you choose. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to ask um, if they all flew at the same uh, rate of speed, which clearly you s- just said they do. So that means no javelin racing in the game. Um, correct. <laughs> uh, so the reason, and we actually, we consider that, but the problem is we want to keep groups together. Um, we want people to not feel like they're they're falling behind just because they chose a certain javelin. So the rate of speed is has to be kind of the same. That makes sense. Um, I did notice if I decide to go off on a little tangent when I'm in a group mission that it'll pull me back in. Yep. Is that only when you're in a mission or does that happen in free play as well? No, that's only a mission because um, when you're on a mission, the focus should be the mission. It shouldn't be stopping and picking up codex entries and smelling the roses. And we all we all know it where we have a person on our team who's not pulling their weight. Yep. Um, <laughs> we, we don't want to encourage that as much as possible in missions. So you'll have that that behavior missions, but in free play, no, you can all do whatever you want. Go off to the corners of the world, um, explore on your own kind of kind of pace, and then meet back up for world events or whatever. So I want to just shift gears here a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, Fort Tarsus and some of the characters that we've gotten to meet so far in the demo that we've played today. I've counted at least five different NPCs, kind of quest givers that I've met along my traversal around the fort. And 
I think one of the biggest questions that you guys have obviously been getting on Twitter and from the community as Bioware, the kings of narrative, as you will, is how is the story going to kind of present itself through these NPCs? Because it feels like it's a very non-traditional format for you guys. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so I guess there's there's three ways of, of storytelling in the game. So the first one is uh, the crit path, the standard crit path of um, the, the freelancers are kind of down on their luck. Some things happened in the beginning of the game which weren't so great for them. Um, Tarsus doesn't really respect them anymore, and Tarsus is kind of deserted and really kind of down on freelancers. And then, of course, you still have the the, the characters, your, your 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 freelancer crew that hangs out with you and supports you, and this is Halleck and Faye. And you realize something's going on with the Dominion, and the Dominion is is the antagonist in the game, and, and they're doing some pretty some pretty sketchy stuff, so you got to stop. Um, so that's the crypt. Uh, and on the side, there's a whole bunch of characters in Tarsus which are kind of giving you missions which illustrate the world. So whether they're Arcanists or Sentinels or Freelancers, they send you on missions to give you a little more context about what each of those groups are. So that's the second kind of layer. Then the third layer is just the people who live in Tarsus. They don't give you missions. They're not part of your, your pit crew, but they tell you about who they are, what's going on with them. They have questions for you, decisions to be made. And you kind of you advance these these story arcs over the game. So in the end, um, you either know them very well and you've made some decisions, and those decisions will affect kind of the way Tarsus plays out for you. So telling story um, asynchronously across all of those things is challenging, and those, that's why we structure the story into like um, Tarsus being able to deliver the narrative and then going out on missions with your friends and then coming back to Tarsus and seeing the results of those missions. So those decisions that you make inside Fort Tarsus won't affect the free uh, free play that Correct. you run into and also the missions where you're co-op. Correct. Correct. Yes. So the world itself, we control. We control the state of the world. So um, it's all tied back to our servers so that we can do some really interesting things, which we will start doing pretty soon for people to look at. Um, out in the world, it will change things. We'll add things. We'll, for example, you'll have new world events. Um Maybe they'll only spawn titans for a day, uh, and then it'll be impossible for everyone. I'm mean, like, that sounds terrifying. Yes, <laughs> things like that. We can control all that. Um, but then in Tarsus, the decisions you make are yours, and they affect your Tarsus. So um, those are personalized, ultimately. Now, you guys have already come forward and said, listen, there's not going to be the traditional Bioware romance in the game. But, of course, is there going to be any kind of flirting? Are you going to be able to kind of make besties with people in Fort Tarsus? I don't want to ruin too much. Um, I would say that making besties is a possibility. <laughs> um, uh, but, again, I mean, it's up to the characters that you're interested in talking to. You can go down those paths of the, the dialogue branches to see more about them. They'll tell you more personal information than normally that what you would have gotten from them if you choose something else. Um, and only time will tell where we want to take the characters and you, really. And even in just my short time with the game, like a few hours, I was able to kind of develop a little bit of a relationship with a few of the characters. There's this one guy in particular who I won't name because I want people to find him who's just kind of out of the way and not really doing anything. But I kind of like him because he's spunky. Uh -huh. So I'm going to be interested to see like where his arc goes. I yes. hope he turns out to be like some super badass just in disguise, like there, pretending to be dumb. There's actually a couple <laughs> super badasses in disguise. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I like that guy. Yeah, he's he has an interesting, interesting arc. 
Um, all right, let's get into some of the nitty-gritty mechanics questions that okay. people have been tweeting to me. One of the things that people are clearly doing is comparing this game to Destiny. You guys have gotten that since you announced the game. Mm -hmm. And so Destiny is well known for its RPG grind. How grindy is this game? Well, um, so the difference between this and other kind of titles like Destiny or others is that there's a focus on narrative. That's one of the other things. Um, movement and traversal is also a big differentiator for us. How you get around the battlefield and how you use that in combat situations is all pretty pretty different. Um, ultimately, after the crit path is done, so after you've gotten to level 30 and kind of the end game opens up, uh, it's about loot chase. So there is an element of... Uh, uh, Going after content, repeating that content, increasing your challenges, going after that content in a harder challenge setting, going after that content in a different javelin. So you, you switch the, the equation up, but after in the end game, there's, there's an amount of that going on. Um, that said, again, how we do this, how we present it to the player, how we do it in a world that's always changing, and we have the opportunity to do a lot of definite, definite interesting things on the server side and adding new content, um, we'll hopefully really keep it fresh and people engaged. Speaking of the kind of gear system and the the grind, as it were, <laughs> I noticed that each of the different javelins has their own set of gear, but the weapons you can equip for any set of javelins, is that correct? Yes, except for a few. Like the Colossus can only equip um, certain heavy ones only for the Colossus because thick. Big it's thing. a tank. It's a tank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tank has got to have tanky weapons for sure. And I also noticed that there's a kind of salvage system built in. So if you decide that you have a particular play style, like what if I only want to use machine pistols, for example, I could dismantle the other guns and then yep. use those parts to craft the specific types of weapons that I like. Totally. Exactly. So you can do that. Um, you can find new crafting materials in the world. You can unlock blueprints by doing challenges, faction challenges, um, gameplay challenges. You can kind of you can focus on the things that you want to unlock in terms of blueprints, um, and likewise, all the salvage that you get, you can turn into materials to craft the stuff that you actually do want. Crafting for us is it's like a, a stop, it's like a gap fill. Does that even makes sense. It's a gap fill um, <laughs> uh, because the the weapons that you get are uh, random. They're random drops. There's going to be sometimes things you absolutely want, and then we want to give players the ability to kind of augment their arsenal with the things that they specifically are looking for. So. Are we going to be able to go on specific missions to get a specific gear item, or is it all kind of up to RNG? How does that system work? Yeah, so you'll know the kind of thing that you'll be getting in terms of the rarity of it. You won't know the specific thing. So we want players to be able to, to replay for the things that they're actually wanting. But ultimately, there's not going to be a specific uh, loot drop in a mission. That said, when you look at a challenge in the, in the HUD, it will see the type of blueprint that it's going to unlock for you. So then at least you'll know the type of blueprint you're going to unlock. And you can choose whether or not you want to invest time in that challenge or in another challenge. So, Okay, that makes sense. Will there be gear sets in the game? Uh, not at launch. So the gear, we want you to min-max all of the different gear uh, based on what it is best for your play style. But we're looking at gear sets and how they can kind of all combine together to synergize and do other stuff. So we're looking at it. I noticed that in this playthrough, I wasn't able to equip like a different helmet, for example. Um, will like the different arms and legs and helmets dramatically affect the appearance of the javelin, or is that just like a stat bonus? No, no. There's no stat bonuses associated with with armor or cosmetics. 
so yeah, they're all appearance based stuff. So whether it's the the four pieces of armor that you can choose, you can mix and match as you want. You have the vinyls, you have paint, you have um, a bunch of different customization cosmetics. I mean, stuff. the customization is dizzying. Yeah. How much? How many options there are? Yeah, it's funny because because you know we often get asked like, oh hey, you know, is there a, a really big pilot creator in the game? Is there a really deep uh, character customization? And the answer is that there there is. It's just not on your human. It's it's on your javelin. That's where we're putting the majority of our customization options because that's the thing that you see all the time. Your your pilot you don't see all the time. You see in cutscenes when your mask flips up and you'll see your face that you've chosen. But really, the thing that you're going to see and that your friends are going to see is the javelin. So we want to really have people have unique ones. Yeah. So this was a really big departure for you guys going to a first person perspective yep. in those cutscenes versus third person. Was there a big reason why you guys decided to go in that direction? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, because your time in Tarsus is limited, obviously to however long you want it to be, but it's it's not you talking to people all the time. It's a combination between uh, role playing in Tarsus and missions in in, in the world. Uh, we wanted those interactions with characters to be immerse, as immersive as possible, and kind of really sucking them into the one on one um, uh, facial expressions, behaviors, animations where you really notice and appreciate that stuff, we found first person to be extremely good at. So that's kind of why we, we chose first person for Tarsus. So those interactions are kind of much more in your face than they were if you're just looking over the shoulder of an avatar, for example. I mean, it certainly looks fantastic. Awesome. I mean, obviously we're playing on PC today. We so. are playing on <laughs> PC. And actually we're playing, we're, we're not even playing kind of the, the done build. This is a little bit of a, an older build, but it doesn't matter still. It's kind of showcases the game. Um, uh, but yeah, it does look phenomenal on PC too. I mean, I'm sure the PC players out there are saying it always looks phenomenal yes, of on course. PC. <laughs> of course they are. Uh, we also we're supporting 4K for the Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. So um, if you're looking, if you're a resolution type person, you'll be pretty impressed with those as well. Is there a recommended way to play? Because I know some developers favor, you know, frame rate over resolution, or some favor 4K. Um, is there a specific thing that you guys were going for with this game? So, uh, yeah, that that's actually come up a lot, um, especially recently. So, the game itself, we we don't have a performance mode in it. We're looking at at adding that kind of stuff after launch. Right now, if you're on a 4K platform. Um, you'll get 4K resolution and 30 frames per second. That's kind of what we're going for for that. Um, PC, obviously, um, is as expensive as and fast as your PC is will handle. Uncapped. The game will it. Uncapped it. Um, but we're also looking at the ability to, maybe on the, the 4K consoles, if you want to do a higher frame rate at a lower resolution, then that can be an option as well. So so stay tuned for that kind of information. Okay, very interesting. Um a lot of people, of course, have been asking about the end game content, yep. and I'm aware there are certain things we can talk about earlier than others. So maybe let's just keep everything that we can talk about earlier. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so one of the people um, in my feed had asked, "Do you have an ideal group <laughs> makeup for end game? For instance, can we still do end game content with four rangers, or are end game bosses requiring a mix of tank healers and support?" Uh, no, you can do four rangers, you can do four interceptors, you can do four storm. Um, uh, the, all lightning <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be challenging. Um, and there may or may not be incentives in-game to see if you can take on some of those challenges. Uh, obviously, we think that the best way to do it is to do a, a well-balanced team. 
because obviously if you if if we could say oh yeah no you could do it with 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 two storms and two rangers then everyone would say well then the interceptor is is nerfed like that's not the case they're all kind of equal in their own way so by being able to cover each other's weaknesses and and have your own strengths by being a unique javelin it's probably the easiest but you could totally you don't have to do that if you don't want to if you're insane or whatever like you know yeah (laughs) i guess i guess it's like you play how you want and if it's hard i guess just roll with it just roll with it yeah yeah (laughs) learn another javelin manage your shields yeah Yeah. shield management man (laughs) is that that's always the problem um so of course you know we've been talking about end game content and a lot of people are like what does the end game content look like besides strongholds because i think in some people's minds they're like oh i'm going to play through a set amount of story missions and then the story is going to be done and then i'll be kind of kicked back into this open world to go do a bunch of random contracts and so and so and clearly you guys have already spoken about post-launch support and clearly this is designed to be a live service game yep. so what does that look like for people who are so hungry to get through the story content that they get get to the end like what do they have to do at the end okay so once you get to the end of the crit path um you will definitely so first of all you'll unlock some more missions so not all of the missions get unlocked until you finish the game once you finish the game um there's different agent missions to get unlocked, story stuff. And then you can play the post, post-game post story stuff. Then once you've done the post-game story stuff, then we unlock legendary contracts. And so each agent has legendary contracts, which will appear and disappear. And you basically will have to take those on, and they're super hard. You'll probably play one like right now. Um, and there's some there's an element of randomization to those, so you continue to play those. Then, of course, you have strongholds, which you can play as much as you want. You'll have the Grandmaster 1, 2, and 3 difficulties unlocked at that point, which makes everything a little bit harder. Um, you can basically help your friends as well, reinforce them, get higher high-level gear, even if they're playing a lower-level mission because gear is all relative. It's instanced to you and your level. And then, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then if you want, you can kind of New Game Plus it. We're not calling it that, but you can make a new pilot, and you can go back and play um, the entire crit path uh, with the the account that you are, have already kind of backed. So you can go ahead and do that. And then... Does the uh, enemy scale in that new game plus? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then afterwards, you can come back and wait for some of the content that we're going to drop very, very soon um, and see how that changes the world. And yeah, we're not talking too much about that, but very, very soon because we want people to know before we launch what the plan is for that stuff. Absolutely. I, I think the excitement for how this is going to roll out is certainly on everybody's minds because this is not something we've seen from you as a studio before. It's like, you know, how is Anthem going to work in p- post-story content? You yep. know, how much is there going to be able to do? Definitely. Um, would you say that running the story um, as a different javelin each time is something that would give you a different experience, or is it designed to have you mix your javelins along the way? You're definitely you're definitely supposed to mix your javelins along the way. We don't want the whole reason that we we chose it to be a javelin rather than a class is we want players to mix and move around as much as possible. Um, the gameplay experience is very different based on the javelin that you pick, but the story experience is not because you are a freelancer and you have multiple javelins. Just that's just part of the story. Um, 
Because yeah, I noticed there isn't a traditional progression tree that we've seen in your other RPGs that instead it feels like you have the same set of abilities. They just get stronger and stronger as you level up. Would you say that's accurate? Well, you have to find new gear for the javelins. And then so once you find more and more gear, you'll have more and more opportunities to unlock different different powers. It's definitely, it's it's not attached to um, to the, the progression of one character. It's tied to the progression of your javelin. And so while you have a pilot and their pilot is leveled, and that level allows you to get better gear, better weapons, better components for your javelin, ultimately those components are the things that make your javelin stronger. So the chase is really to go after that loot. It's kind of core to what the progression mechanic is. Um, I have just a couple more questions because I know that there are lots of other people here that want to talk to you today. Um, the most important question maybe I've ever asked. <laughs> Will there be dance moves in the game? Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. So many. Hella dance moves. Because <laughs> yeah. so far all I've done <laughs> is wave at people, uh -huh, which is uh -huh, great, uh -huh, you know, yeah. but I mean. Yeah. No, there's there's the air guitar. Um, uh, there may or may not be the shepherd shuffle. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, that's amazing. I can't wait to check it out. I hope that I, I see more uh, callbacks to other Bioware games. I'm sure there's going to be some Easter eggs, Oh, right? there's some Easter eggs for sure. Okay. For sure. So I guess if you are an endeavoring young person and you want to go search them out, you shall find or them. Or even not so young. I mean, you can be like <laughs> middle-aged, like whatever. <laughs> We don't care how old you are is yeah. what we're trying to say, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, okay, so just to wrap this up, um, clearly you guys have spoken a lot about how different of a game Anthem is and how you guys are departing from your traditional kind of action RPG formula to maybe reach out to people who have never played a Bioware game before. What kinds of response from the community have you seen? Are people excited? Are they nervous? Are you guys nervous? Um, all of that, like everything, <laughs> all the things that you just said. Um, so the community has been extremely supportive. So both the people who have been like, hey, I don't know what Mass Effect is, nor do I care. Hey, what's Anthem? Like, there's those people. And then there's the people who are like, I cannot wait until the next Mass Effect. And I'm counting down the days. To, <laughs> I've got the to, Paragon yeah, on my back. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, but also, I'm going to give Anthem a try because I know it's different and... You know, I'm I'm interested in it. Then there's also the people who are like, you know what, you guys do you, um, and I don't like uh, uh, loot style games. I like this kind of game, but you know, I'll I'll see you when the next Dragon Age comes out. There's those people, and then there's the other people who are like, hey, I'm gonna buy Anthem, even though I don't like the looter shooter style games, just so that you guys can make the next Dragon Age. <laughs> like, oh, wow, it's all over the place. That's crazy. Um, but there's a lot, like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of new fans um, who are interested in it. And we have said this numerous times. Anthem is Anthem. Dragon Age is Dragon Age. Mass Effect is Mass Effect. And any other future things are future things. Like, everything is separate. doesn't mean that they're all part of the same type of game or ecosystem. Um, we want Anthem to stand on its own, be supported, have a great live service. And then Dragon Age and any other thing that gets made in the future is its own thing, right? It's supported in its own way, which may be different. So we'll just keep it open. Well, that is great to hear. And I'm realizing I forgot one key question. All right. Is there a guild or clan system in Anthem? S good question. So we're going to talk more about that in the next uh, two or three weeks, about how what that looks like, what it looks like for launch, what it looks like for post-launch, 
and then just put everyone's concerns to rest and let them know what the plan is. Okay, great. Well, Mike, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for the time today. No problem. I'm super pumped for the launch of Anthem, which again is... February 22nd for everyone. And if you are an EA Access Premier member, then you're on February 15th. But play the demo. Demo's out this weekend and next weekend. All right, you heard it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys later.